Shield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour. Cofield and Company, Reno's in, Vegas is here, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Willie Ramirez is the company, and of course, Wednesdays mean it's time for Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. What's up, buddy? You feeling better? I'm feeling great. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be out of the snowy areas, so I feel bad for Reno. I mean, they're just getting pounded. Uh, I was just up there last uh, Friday. I saw that. Avoided, I didn't see you, but I saw it been snowing a lot. Yeah, avoided the snow while I was up there. Was able to get in and out of flight cleanly. Um, but uh, I'm happy to be back down here. Not that it's warm. It's not. Today's a little cold. Yeah, a little bit. I was yeah. in snowy Utah the last day and a half in Logan. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I've been there during basketball when it hasn't been like 23 at night, which isn't, isn't that bad. Actually, the few bars that are open, by the way, Monday, 1130, last call. Come on now. Come on! Now. I'm surprised it's that late in Logan. <laughs> you know they opened they opened a new bar, which is kind of like a college bar, like yeah. a normal bar, and it was closed on Mondays. I'm like, oh. what are we doing here? But one of the classic joints, the White Owl, which is kind of a pool hall. Uh, yeah, eleven thirty, eleven fifteen, they start flashing the lights. So, and then uh, walk back. It was like twenty seven. It was brisk. It was nice. Okay. Um, piece of advice for me at the game yesterday, the UNLV game yesterday. The broadcast crew, minus John Sandler, um, was having a quick discussion about ABV in Utah. And I was pretty sure they went to 5% across the board. And we were like, hey, was it? We're drinking 3.2 last night. I turned to a young lady who looked like maybe she was a college student or maybe just out, like 23, 24. And I'm like, hey, what's the ABV here now? And she looked at me, She's and I couldn't hear what she said, but I, I swear she was like, yeah, I don't drink. And I was like, oh, I forgot. Sorry. Maybe not the right question. Yeah, it's fine. Maybe not the right. Are you sure? Yeah, no, but they'll get offended that you ask them that. I just want to be careful. Is that really? Want to be careful. No, come on. You're past that. Right? You're past that. You're past that. You're past Don't worry that. about what other people are thinking. Well, thank you. I needed you there to build up my confidence because yeah. I felt bad for a couple minutes that I put this young lady in a bad position. No, that's fine. You're good. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. The voice of reason. That's why Justin Watkins is here. These folks who are delivering food to us. Are these good jobs or not, Willie? Because you sent over a link, and I don't know what you were getting at. Because as I read through the story, it was a uh, dasher. We don't need to be promoting different companies. Right. Um, it didn't sound like she was making a whole lot of money, but it also didn't sound like she was putting in much time. I found it interesting only because I have a buddy who makes, he's got a pretty good stockbroking business, and we uh, we hooked up a couple of Sundays ago to a coin show to go buy some silver bars. And he was telling me, he was like, yeah, well, you know, I'll pick up X amount Ubering. And I was like, well, how much? And he told me, I was like, what? And I didn't. It didn't dawn on me, and then and then so I saw this other story with this food delivery service, and uh, she in the story it explains that she was making twenty uh, a little more than twenty bucks an hour, but then minus gas, it's all the way down to 
with these days, right? But I can't imagine that you use a full tank of gas for an entire, even if you work four or five hours. If you put the work in, I would imagine maybe driving people in general is going to be uh, is going to be better than the food delivery. I don't know. I mean, I read this story, and this I don't think this person is the 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 barometer for what you can make. She decided to go work for one hour. Right. She goes and does one delivery at which she was at the wrong restaurant to start, gets the delivery. It's like an $8 delivery, then needs to stop for gas. After one delivery, has to stop for gas and can only do one other delivery in the course of an hour. She makes 21 bucks and says, but with gas, it's only four. So the full ticket gas got credited against the 21 bucks. She should have started with the full ticket gas. Right, and I imagine she could have done. I, I mean, I have to imagine she could have done four, five, six deliveries in an hour. I would think, um, depending on you know what kind of area you're in. That being said, you know, does that mean that this is a good job? I don't know. Flexibility, right? You got you can make your own schedule, but you're certainly not going to be rich doing it. I, you know, in this town in Las Vegas, I don't know about food delivery service, but in this town, based off of what my buddy was telling me, I was like, jeez. I mean, to, to some extent, on, on fight weekend or uh, Super Bowl weekend, if you will, you know, whatever, big weekends, four or five hours up and down the strip. Oh, bro, I mean, all you got to do is hover around my house. Apparently, dude, I see those charges coming on all the time for food <laughs> delivery to my place. So, well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Minus, yeah. forget about the food alone. Yeah. I'm just saying for the, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I don't know how much the tips are or whatever, but just, just the, the, the different driving services. Yeah, you know, I guess just the point here is, from a like a legal standpoint, um, is this something that gets unionized at some point, or like it, like I assume the drivers have to make some money, right? Because I, I don't know. Every time we we talk about these delivery services, like the restaurants are getting dinged thirty percent, mm-hmm. the drivers aren't making anything. Like how how is this going to continue? And at some point, is someone like ah, class action? Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I think it more likely it's going to get tackled on the legislative side, like it has been in California, where basically. They said, yeah, you can call them independent contractors, but we're going to make you pay the taxes and everything as if they're employees. So they've kind of created this new designation, Um, you know, because there's a lot of benefits tax wise financially for this setup. They don't have any payroll taxes. They don't have to pay unemployment insurance. They don't have to pay any general liability insurance for all these drivers going around. So the companies save a ton by the by the state allowing for this structure. And so, you know, from my perspective, the, the wages need to be fair. And I think it's fair for government to step in and intervene because, hey, if somebody gets in a wreck when they're in one of these, they don't have any health insurance and there's no coverage, who's paying? Taxpayers. Number three. Uh, dude, social media influencer Josiah Vargas says he goes up to a Mickey D's, they hand him a bag. It's not what he ordered. It's just cash. He drives away, and then he's like, mm, I need to do the right thing and go back. Uh, if he didn't do the right thing, what yeah. is he? He's going to drive off scot-free? He's good to go? No. No, absolutely okay. not. He's not good to go. Yeah, he he knows that that wasn't intended for him. and right. that Yeah, so it would absolutely be theft. He, I mean, now, the reality, what would he be charged with if they found him? You know, obviously, it's not like armed burglary. He didn't, you know, it's, it's a more civil sort of action it's conversion he took it it's theft yes he can't can go to uh jail with it 
there can there is a crime associated with it. You can't just because somebody made a mistake and you knew they made a mistake and abs you know absently handed you something, it doesn't become your property. Willie, you drive away and go home? No, I would I would I read it, I would have taken it back. There's there's no doubt. Did I just insult you by the way? You just told me in the first hour don't insult you. Did I just did I just question all your ethics right there? No, it was a, that's a legitimate question because if it wasn't deposits and it was just cash, I'd take it. It was cash. No, it wasn't. It, says, it said that. Oh, it was pictures of cash in the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, no. Was, on, your, on your spun I, sports Kita. It Eurolab was the it link. was the deposits that they were supposed to take to the I bank. I understand that. But it's all but cash. It, right, but they were in deposit bags. Yeah. So he knew that they were deposit oh, bags. Right. Like, okay, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. is yeah. if it was just cash, I'm gone. I'm taking it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> You're going to get arrested. There's cameras <laughs> no, everywhere. No, I'm not. Because he just said. Take your if time it, it, out. I don't know that it's a deposit. He knew. This guy knew that it was deposit money. Okay. It's like Lori Lachlan over here in Massimo. What are you doing? <laughs> Let me throw this at no, you. We didn't know. We didn't know. This we, guy's we a TikTok a user and an influencer. Is it really that big of a mistake or was this a bit? Is, yeah. it, is this set up for a nice thing to go viral? I mean, it, I mean, he certainly took it. You know, the opportunity to make it go viral. But did he show them? Did he show the restaurant or any of the employees? I don't believe he did. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if he. Because I would assume corporate before. would be like, "Yeah, good bit. You're all fired." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't make us look like we're freaking irresponsible buffoons. Yeah, that would have been. I don't think it he went viral. The employees. It just, yeah. Do you think it was a bit? What are we doing I'm, here? I'm wondering if you're just handing over bit stories. <laughs> Number two. Boy, Willie is the one guy on the show. I don't know what Candy's doing. We'll have to catch up with him. But Willie seems to be the one guy on the show who is, like, just really against Tom Brady coming to the Raiders. And you just keep sending over stories to back it up. Kendrick Perkins said Brady sucks. And you sent this over. I sent this over more so because I didn't like that he was. I, actually, I didn't. I didn't like that he was being ripped. I didn't think that you, I mean, you felt for Tom in this case. Yeah, I mean, come on now. I mean, and aren't you? Isn't he supposed to be just coming on NBA? No. Why? He's a sports personality. Yeah. Uh, K. Perk said the Buccaneers have been borderline average all year. Tom Brady is a whole senior citizen. Who the hell in their right mind thought they had a chance tonight? Carry the hell on. I don't. So, I you're, mean, now, so you're you're not as mad at the Tom. I don't get what's going on. Well, here. you don't need to call call him out. I mean, I mean, it wasn't the entire loss is not on him. I've said. I mean, I've watched primetime games all season with this guy, and I said, I mean, it's it's. I've I've even said I feel bad for him with with what he has around him. He doesn't have the same Buccaneers team that he had when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, for this guy to just go and badmouth and just. Throwing insults at Tom Brady wasn't it? It's not doesn't fall on him that the Buccaneers lost in the story. Justin, what do you think? You want Tom Brady here or not? I don't care. I'm not a Raiders fan. You don't care. I don't care. Well, who are you a fan of? Chargers. What well, do you mean? Then you should care. No, the Raiders. Raiders fans are real happy. No. Staley staying around. Oh, oh I know. Let's flip that. I are you know. happy about oh. that? Or no, I'm Sean not Payton? happy about that. That's the worst, you know. But <laughs> but I don't think that Tom Brady's going to make the if he goes to the Raiders is going to make them any. <laughs> Significantly different than what they've been this last year. By the way, oh. why is it the worst? Why is keeping Staley such a terrible idea? Well, only to the extent that I think we could get Sean Payton, right? That that assumes a set of facts, which is that if we got rid of Staley, that it would be the most attractive job in the NFL. So I'm making an assumption. If they don't think they can get Payton, then okay. You know, I don't I don't know. 
get, give him another year to try. But I think we have enough evidence to say that Staley is not an elite level coach at Peyton's best. Be- Peyton, right now, Peyton's better. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a good way to go. Right. I don't think Staley's a terrible coach though. I think he's middling right now. You know, he's not. He's not in the top ten of coaches in the NFL. I think he's got to get his confidence back and coach the way he did last year, which is be aggressive. Sure. Um, I also think the roster needs a lot of tweaking. Totally. Like a lot of tweaking. I agree. But and, and but here on the side of Staley, in defense of him, we do forget that Justin Herbert got whacked early in the season and was playing with jacked up ribs for a while. Mm-hmm. Their starting left tackle went down. Bosa missed half the freaking season. Keenan Allen missed half the season. Mike Williams felt like he missed half the season. Yeah. They were beat up throughout. Yep. Yeah, and then, unless you want to lay, you play lay it out there, like, hey, it's it's Daly's fault, and then you play him her. in Week 18 for no reason. That, that was a bad move, like, and lose a guy. That was a bad move, but that, I don't think that determines all of your future. Yeah. I, you know, there, I think there has to be some examination. In first of all, I Lombardi was not ready to be an offensive coordinator, and that was another one of these connected Nepo hires, which bothered the crap out of me. He just was not ready. Justin Herbert is an adult. We can actually look at his play and grade him a bit. Now, I just mentioned the line was not good. He wasn't great this year. No, he wasn't. There was a lot of errant passes. And, you know, I know everyone's like, oh, he's always checking down. Yeah, that's partially him. I don't think they come out of the huddle and Lombardi's like, always check down. Always check down. All right, we'll get to number one on the way back. You're listening to Battleborn Sports Hour right here. On ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno, you can call Battleborn Injury Lawyers from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Wake up and take a seat in the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on 4 o'clock hour, Reno's in, Vegas and Cofield and Company. Justin Watkins is in from Battleborn Injury Lawyers, co-host slash legal insider slash public servant, former, and voice of reason. I could do an hour on Dropicana today and that whole thing. Has it affected you? Uh, no. Let's You know what? Let's put it on the tease board. We'll have time around 35 of this hour just to hit it real quick because it affected Willie today, who yesterday was like, no effect. I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So something that affected local fans or a fan a couple of weeks ago, and I've seen this happen at several spots. I saw a Kentucky game last week that someone held up a sign, mad at John Calipari, please go to Texas. Sign taken away, fan booted. Raiders Niners. Raiders fan. Holds up a sign. We deserve better. I think he got booted. Or at least was told, hey, put the sign down. Now, I guess if it's an issue of, hey, you're blocking someone, that's one thing. What legal right do teams have to police things like this? And when it's in a, you know, this is my favorite topic, Mm -hmm. a publicly funded building. The fact that it's a publicly funded building is going to have no impact in this regard. So I'm not talking about Texas. I'm talking about the Owl. No, no, I get it. I have Um, no idea how they paid for the Texas arena. 
So first off, you know, the the event promoter um, or the team, whoever's putting on the event, can make the rules that they want and assuming that the terms and conditions are on the ticket, most terms and conditions are going to say specifically no signs because of the obstruction of view issue. Now, obviously, there, there are some caveats to that. They know some signs get in. In fact, I, I remember going to a Golden Knights game where it was a signed day. Like, they had all the materials for kids and everybody to make signs there. You know, they, they were Ooh, welcoming that, it. That one's interesting, too. Yeah. UNLV used to do that. Actually, I think we might have done it. I feel like Lotus had a little setup by our remote, and we had markers and a, and a, and a poster board up there. That, yeah. That's really interesting if they actually provide the material, and then you put something on the sign that they don't like. Yeah, and then they can take it down. Right. They can. They absolutely have the right to to police their event as they want to police their event. Where they could get themselves in trouble only is if their policing of it was inconsistent from the standpoint of, well, you know what I'm going to talk about, our protected classes, race, sex, national origin, uh, religion, all those uh, protected classes, if they are, you know, if, if they went and, and took down a sign that said that there, there is no God and allowed somebody to have a sign that said touchdown Jesus, you know, then, then they might be getting themselves into some hot water. But taking down signs that are critical against the team because they don't like them, yeah, totally. They, they have the right to do that. Um, and so long as, you know, it's a publicly funded stadium, that's okay. They still get to make their own rules for the event within the stadium. It does not become just a public place, a public square like the sidewalk. That, that's not what happens. So you can't hold a sign critical, but you can't go around. I guess you could go around, but uh, 60,000 people in there that are unhappy with Josh McDaniels and they're yelling, McDaniels, you suck. So you can't have a sign that says it. They can't go, but... In reality, yeah. they're going to go around and kick out 10,000 fans that say it? They could, you know, if they really wanted to work their way around the stadium and, and, and try to do that. Depending, This is all dependent upon the terms and conditions on the ticket being clear about this. Like, But that one's a little bit different because I doubt that there's anything that says on the ticket that you cannot cheer in some way that's disagreeable. That'd be hard to police. I'm sure the ticket says no signs. Right, like, because that's obstructing the view of others. So then they have this carte blanche that, like, well, no sign. It doesn't matter. We don't want that sign. We don't want any signs. Get that sign out of here. Um, now, the fact that they police that differently, obviously some signs stay, some signs make it on TV, and some go. That's okay, so long as it's not one of the protected classes that's being discriminated right. against. Right? Yelling, on the other hand, would be much more difficult as long as it's not profane or obscene, which I'm sure is on the ticket, terms and conditions, because um, how would you determine, you know, classless or dislikable, you know, they they can't police, I, I think they would have a very hard time of policing cheering to that effect. Justin Watkins, 766-1400, 766-1400, call from anywhere in the state of Nevada to Battleborn Injury Lawyers. All right, on to the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, boy. Is the avalanche about to begin here? What is going on with Mark Stone? We know it's going to be quiet on the local scene. Your guy, Frank Saravelli, uh, clearly has some good connects in the organization. He's saying, what about Mark Stone? 
Well, he's definitely got contacts either with agents or whatever, but he's saying that uh, Mark Stone's upper body injury is his back, and that's but not without getting into too much detail. He just, you know, and, and where it's automatically raising eyebrows and, and putting everybody on alert because last year, especially us up in the press box, when he was sitting up there and he'd, you know, between periods make his way to the restroom, I mean, there were times we literally saw Mark Stone wincing and struggling to walk as if you'd think he had a sprained ankle or a bum knee, but he could not move because of his back. It was painful to watch, let alone imagine what he's going through. And then he has a disectomy, which in a sense is somewhat similar to having meniscus cleaned up or a scope on your knee. He just had that cleaned up, so there was no pinching among the you know on the vertebrae. But uh, yeah, if it's something similar or if it's that injury again, then that's that the, you know that could be a problem. We just don't know what it is, and you know. And I say this not as a Golden Knights fan or for the success of the team, whatever. I just say it for Mark Stone because he's established a very good rapport as a captain in the locker room with the media as well. I just hope the best for the guy that it's not that because to see what that guy went through last year, walking up and down that press box, it was it was tough to watch. Yeah, no, I I mean obviously I hope the best for Mark Stone too, and. You know, just from a standpoint of, I hope it's not that severe again as a 29, I think he's 29, maybe did he turn 30, but anyway, 29, 30 year old Mark Stone, if he has to go in for a second back surgery at that age, you know, later on when he's no longer 30 and he's 60, you know, I can only imagine, you know, I, I've had, I got some back issues I deal with now, but I've never had anything to his level and I'm 43. Mm-hmm. So I've made it. I made a pretty good run before I had my first little bit of back issues because it doesn't get better, right? It just always progressively gets worse, and I just hope for him that that's it's not something super severe and it's more precautionary. Felt a little tweak. I want to make sure everything's okay before I get back out there. I hope it's on that level. But I will say this: I was at that game uh, against Dallas. Like the body language of the whole team, the whole team. That like the the effort level on appearance from from the crowd from the it it was not there and I think it was more than just losing Mark Stone and his physical play out there it was a little bit about what he does to the locker room and how he gets people up because they they certainly did not look ready to play well and and this is something that I brought up yesterday is that you know they they opened the season was it thirteen two and whatever but November eighteenth at that point. They were one of the highest-scoring teams. Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill were the number one duo in the league. Since then, they are ranked 18th in offensive production, 18th in points, and I think it was 26th in goals against or in the 20s. Yeah. That's since November 18th, since that impressive quick start to the season. That's not like, well, since Jack Eichel got injured and now he's back in Stonetown. We're now going on two months of this. So there's a little bit more to, and I don't want to hear about injuries with this team. Although, yes, you have to give that, you have to lean on that a little bit. But with what this team went through last year, and no, it didn't make the playoffs, but DeBoer and what that lineup had, and a little bit of Logan Thompson down the stretch, they were they were eligible to make it mathematically toward the end. Uh, it, there's something a little bit more to it. I don't know if it's teams picking up on Cassidy's system or what it is, but 
Uh, right now, this team is lack of production. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I feel like the Cassidy system was, you know, got to run for a month and a half, two months, and then the injuries on the defensive end, I'm not talking on the offensive end, but the defensive end started to break down that defensive structure that looked so impressive. I mean, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill were the number one goalie tandem, and you didn't feel like they had made anything spectacular as far as a save. They made all the saves that they should have, and the system, the defensive system was so well put together, and then you lose half of them, right? White Cloud and Shea and uh, God, we lost uh, Haig for a little bit, and then we're down to our Martinez. Is, Martinez yeah. is, and, and then Martinez come back has not been great either, and we're down on our seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth defenseman in the lineup. I feel like that has really hampered our offensive production because we're not able to break out of the defensive zone. And then having Eichel hurt for this time, and he only comes back for a couple games before Stone's out, it's really feeling a lot like last year to me. It's really feeling that way. I'm not saying we're going to end up in the same spot, but it's feeling that way. Giveaway time, 364-1100. Another chance to win them before you can buy them. WWE SmackDown is in town on March 24th. That's a Friday. This Friday, the 20th, AXS.com is where you can get the tickets. But we're going to give you a chance right now to win a pair. MGM Grand Garden, WWE SmackDown, Friday, March 24th, caller number 7, 364-1100, is the number. Go to AXS.com on Friday, and you can grab your own tickets. On the way back, I'm going to get us some little hot water here. I want some opinions on the Mountain West and cities around the Mountain West. A uh, national broadcaster in Southern California was asking about where you'd want to live in the Mountain West Conference. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, I'm going off the grid here with Justin Watkins, Willie Cofield, because I feel like this group is mature enough not to be horses' asses on this question. But I may be surprised. You never know what Justin. I'm kidding. Um, Matt Leinart. This one got a lot of action around the Mountain West Conference. Matt Leiner, and he's actually doing it for every conference uh, just to get some hits and some engagement, so good move. Uh, if you had to live in a city of a Mountain West school for the next 10 years, which city are you picking? There was a flood of the Mountain schools. And we've talked about this before. They're all towards the bottom for me. I can't deal with the weather. And I just I, – I love how people in those regions – like Fort Collins tonight, the campus is closed. San Diego State's in town. There's going to be 11 people at the game. Yeah. And I'm not, this is nothing to do with like people are answering like best college town. That's not what he asked. If you have to go to a Mountain West Conference city and you got, you got to live there for the next 10 years, where are you going? Like people are like Laradice for Lara. I'm like, what are you insane? And you know what? God love them in Logan, right? But <laughs> yeah. there's no way. There's like, I can't do the freaking weather. It's, it's all of the Southern or West schools or bust. And Reno certainly ahead of. All of the mountain schools, because at least the weather there is a little bit better. Um, Reno also feels like basically old Vegas, which I'm down with. But some of these cities, man, like they might be lovely places. Can I throw in one more thing? I didn't see anyone answer. Because these are the questions I would ask. Am I white? Am I a woman? Yeah, yeah right. No, kind of, that's, kind of, like, totally that's, that's reality as well. Yep. I mean, from my perspective, sorry, there, so, only, sorry, other Mountain West cities in the mountain regions. There's like, a, do you embrace diversity? Yeah. <laughs> are are do women feel like they're equal citizens and safe and safe? You know, 
Yeah, I mean, for me, there's only three cities in the whole Mountain West that I'd even consider. Same. You know, so we're it's say San same. Diego first, Vegas second, and Reno third. That's it. Oh, well, no. Okay. Well, you know, Hon- Honolulu counts football. Yeah, yeah so. I'm I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live I would in live in Honolulu in a, a second. I would just have to make a little more for money. 10 than years? I'm, a little more money yeah. than I'm making here, like to be able to afford a, a pretty nice house. Well, th- th- I'm also thinking of my job. Right. Like that has to be a factor as well. Totally. You know, your job travels, and, yeah. and obviously then there's all different things you're considering. But, like, I think the sports community in Hawaii is freaking awesome. I mean, it is very – it is a tight-knit small group. But, like, I follow a lot of the Hawaiian yeah. broadcasters. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah, I don't know, man. For, for 10 years, like, I could do Honolulu for two years, but 10 is too long, man. I couldn't do it, especially with kids. Like, that's the last place I want to raise them. So there's there's only three cities that I'm, that I'm considering. And I'm sorry if I'm insulting some of the mountain cities, but – I got to hear some of the kids and the way they spoke last night at Utah State. I don't like it. Yep. So it irks me, you know. Really? Really? You got the same three as me? You said it's different. Not the same three. Not the same three. I thought you were going to say Honolulu. So I'm with Steve in the in the thought process is if I'm moving from Vegas, if, I, if I'm not including Vegas, I can't include Reno. Otherwise, it's OG Vegas, you know, or it's. I mean, a smaller version, but it's it's just as cool as it's the Vegas. Yeah. It's a Vegas vibe. Yeah. So if if I'm having to sort of eliminate that because I'm already here, I'm going to San Diego or I'm going to Honolulu. Yeah. It's, it's going to be one of those two places. Um, both are. I'm getting in the beach. Um, cost of living, in a sense. I mean, you, you argue one way or the other. The only reason why I would probably lean towards San Diego more than Honolulu is I'd want to keep Honolulu as a as a getaway spot. Yeah. Right. So, also, to- you are far away from everything at that point. Oh, too. my God. So, and I, right. I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah. And I lived in San Diego for, for three years when I was in law school. And San Diego is one of my, I think it's one of the best cities living in the country. That's right. If, I if, you if not the world, yeah. it's, it is no. amazing. You know, you live in San Diego, you can still go snowboarding. It's only two hours no. away. You're not getting, you, you, you're cut off from so much stuff in Honolulu. I have Reno in the middle of my list, San Jose on. I saw one list, someone had San Jose nine. I I like Northern California, so I could I could deal with it. And I I'm a backer of both Fresno and Albuquerque. I know they oh. get bashed. I am. Oh, I gosh. just am. No, just am. Seven six six fourteen hundred. Don't call about this. <laughs> I knew we were rolling the dice on this one, but yeah, go check that out, Matt Leinert. Where would you uh, Where would you go if you had to live there for ten years around the Mountain West Conference? Coming up next, we're going to go to Jacksonville. Would we go there? Mm, maybe not right now, but we'll go on the phones. We're going to talk to a Jacks expert. When you got Doug Peterson, a guy who's willing to just go out there and throw punches, he's willing to risk it all. I think there's always a chance, especially with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you saw what this guy did in the second half. It was incredible. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, led the Jags back in the third biggest comeback in NFL playoff history. So with those two guys, I think anything's possible. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, time to start getting into the uh, NFL playoffs Elite Eight here. And I just told Willie that uh, we were going to feature the teams I think are going to lose. I don't think the Jags can beat the Chiefs, but it's a good story, and we want to cover it. It's a real interesting story. So let's get into it. Mia O'Brien is on the horn with us. Mia, how are you? Good. How are you doing, sir? Mia, 
I um before we get into Jacksonville, I just I just want to make sure are you, you wouldn't happen to be at a Waffle House. I'm looking at your timeline. I see a lot of Waffle House tweets. I am not currently at a Waffle House. I did, however, just make a lovely air fryer dinner of fish sticks and sweet potato fries. So um, I might as well be at a Waffle, ha- Waffle House. And I promise you, I am actually 30 years old and not 12. Okay, so you are <laughs> you are second. an air fryer. Wait a minute, you're an air fryer user. This was a big topic last year. Have you ever air fried a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I have not. Um, I also don't eat jelly, though. I only well, I, I should say I don't do peanut butter and jelly. I do peanut butter sandwiches. I'll do, like, pepper jelly. Like, I'll get exotic like that. But, okay. uh, right. no, it's safe to say I have never tried that, but maybe next time. All right. Well, do well, you want to tie together the whole Waffle House thing with uh, Trevor Lawrence? So what went down this week? Yeah, um, so the Waffle House story. I guess we could start there because that's what everyone wants to talk about. Um, and I just saw on Instagram that NFL Films actually had Trevor mic'd up this weekend for that playoff game against the Chargers. And they verbatim got him on camera in the locker room as they were celebrating, saying, Waffle House tonight, right? And everybody goes, yep, yep. And he goes, you've never been, right? And they go, yep, yep, we'll go to Waffle House. And so uh, evidently, yes, that is how he chose to celebrate his first career playoff victory because all-pro lineman Brandon Scherf and practice squad quarterback E.J. Perry had both never been to Waffle House before. Of course, Trevor, hailing from the Atlanta suburbs, has been to Waffle House a time or two and now living here in Jacksonville where they are also plentiful. And so, yeah, apparently his wife had called on Friday to say, hey, could you push some tables together and aside for us? And that's what they did. Um, and that is how they celebrated one of the largest comeback victories in the history of the NFL playoffs. Yes, so, fancy. What a vibe. What a vibe down here in Jacksonville. Fancy stuff. Do we know what his order was? I saw it was reported uh, many places that they had his order. Uh, well, what the order was? Yeah, he told me today, uh, yesterday it was Texas bacon, cheesesteak, and a pecan waffle. Um, I do know that he did confirm with us, though, he's a big all-star special guy normally. And so a lot of the first-timers and newbie Waffle House users uh, that were a part of that group, he encouraged them to do the all-star special. Although I was informed today that Brandon Scherf did one of those egg protein bowl, hash bowl things that Waffle House is rolling out now. They literally have everything under the sun. It's God's gift to America. Mio O'Brien's with us, Jags expert from 1010XL. What's the most incredible part of this story? Is it the coaching of Doug Peterson or the complete turnaround, aside from the first half last week, but the complete turnaround of Trevor Lawrence going from what a lot of people thought was, hey, maybe this guy's a bust, to a guy that has a really bright future? What's what's the bigger deal? 30,000-foot view, it's Doug, um, and Trevor would tell you that, that he is a byproduct of Doug. So many guys in that locker room, when I asked them, you know, how is this happening? They say it's a reflection. It starts at the top. It's a reflection of their head coach, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. As far as the most remarkable part about Saturday specifically, I think the craziest part is that this is a fan base that obviously has admired in mediocrity for most of the past two decades. And the fact that this was far from the only comeback cardiac cats win that they have had this season. You go back to the Baltimore Ravens, a 28-27 win in which they had to march down the field with less than two minutes to go. Not only did they score, they go for two. It was the first time in franchise history that down seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars have won a football game. So that one was wild. Then you jump to the Dallas Cowboys game. They were down 27-10 midway through the third quarter, and somehow, some way, the ball bounced their way, and they were able to create a rally there. And so I think the most remarkable part, to answer your question, is that in the press box even, not in the locker room, because they never lost faith in the locker room, and that's miraculous because 
they were the ones who actually were out there on the field dealing with the byproduct of being down 27 nothing. But the fact that both in the press box, in the stands, from what I have been told, once they scored before halftime, once Evan Ingram caught the touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence to make it 27-7, no one in the stadium panicked. And this is a franchise that its fan base is renowned for saying, the Jags are bad until they're not, the Jags always find a way to jag, this, that, and the other. Hmm. No one panicked because this was not the first time they've been in this situation, and we've seen what they've done previously. And the fact that in one year's time, Doug Peterson has changed that narrative around this team, in this city, and in this fan base is nothing short of a miracle. Speaking with me, O'Brien, Jacksonville. Um, that that And I get that as far as being a byproduct and Doug Peterson coming and changing things, but it, it takes. I think it takes a mature mentality for such a young kid to sort of go through what he went through last season and remain patient and poised. I think what a lot of people forget is that he made that Elite 11 where they send the top quarterbacks as a high school player to Beaverton, Oregon, to play on the campus of uh, Nike's campus and compete. He actually didn't finish too high up there, but also didn't. Sh- he shrugged it off. Justin Fields won that competition. How have you seen somewhat of his maturity level? Because he just comes across as someone who's not a sophomore in the pros. Oh, and I think that was the case last year. And what's wild to think is he has now admitted in hindsight, and I think this is the first time Trevor Lawrence in his life has ever somewhat admitted defeat, he has admitted that last year could have broken him. It absolutely could have broken him, if not for the fact that Doug came in and immediately not tried to woo him over, but tried to earn his trust and tried to explain to him, like, I am here to help you. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to come in here and flaunt my Super Bowl ring and say I'm the one that's going to get you back to what you were. It was more so, hey, we're going to work through this with you. We're going to teach you. You're going to learn. And I think that's the reason that Trevor has been able to withstand a lot of this is because, number one, he has that same even keel approach that Doug does. That's why it's a match made in heaven. But also, he's just the type of guy where, you know, he just wants to learn. He just wants to have fun. I describe for people my interactions with him outside of, you know, football, like even being at the Players' Championship last year. Like, I asked him, like, this one young fan of his who – shadowing job shadowing me for the day i just asked trevor like hey would you mind just going to say hi to this kid and he went over and had a two-minute conversation like that, that's just trevor like I, I try to explain it to people and i know many folks in the jaguar organization or excuse me the jaguar fan base i should say or at least just my mother who is of course an adopted jags fan just because i cover the team um were pretty butthurt when gardner Minshew was traded because that was their guy that was their underdog and here comes trevor lawrence this kid who seemingly always wins everything. He's been the best at everything he's done. But what I have to remind them is this is the same kid who chose to go to Waffle House on Saturday night. Like, that's not an act. That's just who he is. And I think having those humble roots, that's what's going to keep him humble throughout the rest of his career. Jacksonville and Kansas City go at it on Saturday. It's a one thirty kickoff our time, 1 o'clock with the pregame. You can hear it on Raider Nation Radio, 920 again, 1 o'clock with the pregame. And me, O'Brien, covers the Jaguars so, give me the chances that the Jags can pull this upset. What do they need to do to pull the upset on the Chiefs? Yeah, I think what's so fascinating is the fact that they really were in that ball game as much as they went down 20 to nothing, basically from the jump when the Chiefs and the Jaguars played Week 10. If you take a couple plays away, and I know you can say this for most games in the National Football League, but this one in particular, if Christian Kirk calls in this 25-plus yard pass on the opening drive of the ball game, an opening drive in which the Jaguars 
onside kick to begin the game. So they began with the ball in both the first and the third quarter, which when do you see that ever happen? Um, if Christian Kirk hauls in that second down pass for a completion to the 11-yard line, I believe the Jaguars score there. At very least, they settle for a field goal. That changes the trajectory of the game. That's one. Riley Patterson, who, of course, the rest of the nation saw kick a game-winning field goal this past week, missed two of three field goals in that game at Arrowhead Stadium. So now we're up to 13 points that were left on the table. And then you throw in an illegal uh, man-down field penalty that was flagged against Cam Robinson, the left tackle, on an Evan Ingram touchdown that was then negated. And now you're at 20 points. And so if they were able to keep up with the Chiefs then before they hit this stride that they have now hit in the second half of the season, that says to me that Doug Peterson, for all of his years of learning under Andy Reid, does have something up his sleeve does have some insight into how you can possibly counter the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, that was a 1 o'clock kickoff. In the words of Zay Jones, who I know is still a fan favorite out there in Raiderland, um, it's great that you can play a 1 o'clock game, but can you play in prime time? Can you have the maturity to handle things when they don't go your way and you're faced with a deficit, which this team knows they got to score points if they want to compete with the Chiefs. By the way, growing up, were you a fan of the Eagles, the Jets, or the Giants? Uh, so since I'm from Freehold, which is a geographic center between New York and Philadelphia, and because my dad, I call him an NBA fan, even though he hates the NBA, um, because he roots for uh, he, he roots for players. He doesn't root for teams. So really? we really like we we liked individual things about the Giants. Like I, I loved Tiki Barber. I actually wasn't that big of a Tom Coughlin fan. Loved Michael Strahan. Loved Rex Ryan. Um, loved Herm Edwards. So, yeah, I, I kind of went a little bit of all three ways in Sin City. Um, mostly my dad just uh, hated Tom Brady. And so that was mostly <laughs> what our fandom consisted of, was rooting oh. against the Patriots. We can all agree on Brady until he's here in Vegas, and then we're going to love him. Um, just so you know, uh, for folks out there, Freehold is probably like 10 miles from where I grew up, a little closer to the Jersey Shore in Middletown and Keensburg. Uh, Mia knows those areas. I am a Jets fan, and I actually did cry when the Jets won their first game a couple of years ago and missed out on Trevor Lawrence. I'm over 50, but I did cry. I'll give you this insight. Um, what was fascinating about that day, so I was covering the Jags at that point, but of course it was the 2020 COVID season, and New Jersey had the two-week mandatory whatever they were calling it, that if you were going to come to New Jersey, you had to stay in, you know, inside for two weeks or whatever. So I went home, and I worked from home the whole week before Christmas so I could actually enjoy the Christmas week after three COVID tests. I say all that to say I was in New Jersey, and I'm watching the Jets game, and my mom goes, uh, we got to go eat dinner. And I'm like, okay, so we go into the kitchen. And I start getting texts from Jaguars headquarters from a bunch of officials there that apparently NFL Sunday ticket had gone down in the stadium, and they were relying on my tweets to know what was going on in the game. And so I said, Mom, I have to go inside. I have to watch the game. She's like, no, you need to eat dinner. I said, no, you don't understand. This is about to change the trajectory of the franchise, my career potentially. We need to watch this game. Uh, obviously, it has so far because I'm talking to you guys all the way in Las Vegas. And uh, I very much enjoyed listening to the good folks over on WFAN the next day and taking a bit of a victory lap. I feel like you just ripped open the wound and poured a bunch of salt in there. I don't know why you did that. Eh, you know, it's, it's a Wednesday. we got to get over the hump anyway. <laughs> there you go. Uh, where can people hear you? When can they hear you? Uh, give out your Twitter address as well. Absolutely, at Mia O'Brien TV. That's M-I-A-O-B-R-I-E-N-T-V. Um, you can catch me 12 to 3, Monday to Friday on XL Primetime, as well as 6 to 8 on Tuesdays, Helmets and Heels. 
the longest-running all-female sports talk show in the nation. That is 1010XL. You can find us on our app at the 1010XL app. It's a 92.5 FM app, or, of course, you can listen online. And I also run all of our video and social media, so be sure to follow 1010XL on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Yeah, you're awesome. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Appreciate it, guys. Go Jersey. Appreciate it. There you go. Up yours. I looked at you, and I was like, that's what you get. The cradle of broadcasting right there. The Garden State. Mia O'Brien. She was awesome. No fear and just freaking kicking me right in the face when I was down. Not lying either. I did just sit there in stunned disbelief when Adam Gase. You're in trouble, brother.